Welcome back to Kiwi Innovators. Today is a pretty exciting interview that I have with John O'Luke, the head of the WebEx, Cisco WebEx Teams Services Development. This is a really good interview. And for anybody that's working in remote working right now, I think you'll take a lot and get a lot from this. We talk about telemedicine, which should really be called remote medicine and what the future of that might look like. I, I think this is a really good interview, and, and Jono is a pleasure to talk to. So without any further ado, here's the podcast. So I am lucky to be joined uh, by Jono Luke. The, and I'm, give me your title again. <laughs> I don't even know at this point. No, I'm kidding. So I'm the Senior Director for WebEx Applications and the Integrated Collaboration Work. Yeah, I, I really I considered... Jono to be a thought leader in this, the leading a team to develop services on the Cisco WebEx platform. So with that, Jono, I, I, it's great to have you here and, and I really do appreciate it. Why don't we start off with, and it's cheeky, we were talking about it before the podcast started. Why don't you tell me your origin story, how you got into technology? Yeah. So a couple of things, I guess, that kind of brought this all together. So actually my dad was in tech. This is back in the day before there was email. And before there were cell phones, pagers, I think, probably came into existence when he was in his prime technology um, uh, sort of work. And so I always grew up with computers around the house. I said this actually on another podcast, but Star Trek was always that thing that I loved growing up, both because, and this maybe ties into our conversation later as well, there was a belief that people come together to do good for good, right? That was an underpinning. And technology was just so cool, like flying in the stars and you talk to a computer and it told you, it didn't tell you what time it was, it didn't tell you the weather, it ran the, it ran the ship. And so with that, with those influences, I kind of just, technology was just a given. And, you know, as I, as I worked through high school and in college, computers grew faster, Pentiums, everybody remembers this, right? The 33 megahertz to 66, holy geez, 133, then it hit yeah. the gigahertz, you know? And so what quad core? 56k modem and then the 128k right. modem that's right when you downloaded an mp3 and it took you probably four or five hours you, you go you, you eat you do your dishes you came back and you were still looking at 70 percent you know and so as that all happened it was just and this this internet thing right and for me the thing that was really interesting about the internet was it was a chance to connect everyone and everything and that's what really sparked my interest so i did a computer science in school and coming out of that i was really fortunate super fortunate to have the opportunity to go work at microsoft I interned before I graduated college and then I went back after and I started in this completely obscure group within office. It's called office internet platform and operations. Like wow. it doesn't even sound interesting. Like what does that mean? Right? All these words. Well, what it was, was I got a chance to work on what became the web apps. The, the mission, the goal was literally, Hey, intern, can you put this one note app and, and run it on the web so that people can try it out? What started off as a marketing play led to, the office web apps. And then I went to SharePoint. We started SharePoint online, a group of us, and we still speak fondly of that. Then I moved over to uh, what eventually became the core of Azure Active Directory. So the identity platform that now powers, right? However many triple digit, maybe even four digit millions of, of users every day. And so just always V1, always cloud. Yeah. That really well, and, and most of the applications are now internet only, right? I mean, if That's you, right. if, Everybody thinks the Office 365 platform is Word, PowerPoint, Excel, you know. But the reality is if you go onto the Office 365 webpage, 
there are like 20 other applications that you get that's with right. it that are internet only. And, and you know, the, the thing that's really interesting, you, you said internet only, it's interesting to watch the different types of companies and, and uh, businesses out there and how they choose to play that game, right? Because it is, it's a business strategy. It's a stratagem to say, I'm only going to do cloud. I'm doing cloud prem. I'm doing prem only. There's room for everybody. Let's be honest. I don't even know yeah. how many trillions of dollars there are in tech, right? And so there's a lot of room, but that is a big part. And Microsoft has taken that bet, right? They said cloud. Um, not even just cloud first, they're saying cloud only, right? And you hear that in their, the Skype retirement, for example. And so just, you know, I grew up in the cloud through Microsoft and then about two years ago, I was getting an itch. I mean, as a Microsoft employee, you do a lot of really cool stuff. You have access to a really, a lot of really cool stuff. I wanted to just change it up a little bit and focus on what I perceive to be a real opportunity. And that's translated to things like, how do you take tech into healthcare? You mentioned virtual healthcare, televisits, telehealth, and this climate with COVID, right? teaching students when they're at home. Those are real world problems that technology can help solve. And so yeah. that's why I've been super fortunate the last two years to be part of the WebEx team and really driving what we think of as, how do we take that technology and apply it to verticals, to real world problems, now more than ever, literally, right? As we speak, you're at home, I'm at home, we're sheltered at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just changes the landscape of, of everything, business, technology, people. So that, that's been what, it, that's what I wanted to do. And that's, that's kind of how I got to, well, right here talking to you, Sean. Oh, very awesome. So it, it, speaking of these trying times and, you know, I do video calls almost every, I, I do them all day long, but I do a regular coffee catch-ups with a bunch of guys every morning. And, and we've gotten into this little pattern of, we have these rituals. It's one of the things that gets me out of the bed in the morning is, is I have this coffee call that I know I have to do at 8.30. So I make sure that I'm up in time, showered and, and ready to do the coffee call. Your team has always been remote at Cisco WebEx. Do you guys, I mean, do you have, have your rituals changed now? Yeah. So the thing about, so you use the word remote there, which is actually really, it's a funny term because it means different things to different folks. The thing sure. I've said, so actually just going back to about two, two years ago, just two years ago, I still worked for Microsoft and that was a very in-person culture. Like Red, Redmond was the headquarters, right? And so you had 20, 30,000 people. And so remote was because there's an office somewhere else, an yeah. office in Israel, an office in Tokyo. And so the remote aspect was simply that the building, instead of being across the street, was you know across the continents. Right. And I think what COVID is doing and kind of what you were getting to, remote can actually mean, like I sit here, I, I sit in front of WebEx board, right? Like you said, I'm on video calls all day. That's also remote. And so the thing that Cisco has done really well is adapted the latter, not just offices in other countries, but how do you tie in the humans, the employees that yeah. sit behind a WebEx board, a DX in front of the laptop, fill in the blank. And that is actually what COVID has driven, right? The shelter at home has driven that type of remote. And so some of the, like I'm on Twitter a lot, you may have seen some of those things like Chris Palermo, some of my counterparts. We talked about that at first because this is a way of life. It doesn't yeah. have to be lonely. You talk about the coffee chats. It doesn't have to be a lonely thing, right? It's just a, instead of sitting in the office, I'm now sitting on my couch, uh, whether yeah. you like it or not. And so we keep in touch. The good thing about the culture here at Cisco and something I strongly believe in is you have to trust the people you work with. Trust comes yeah. with interaction, with uh, communication, right? Open channels of communication, being there for one another. And so you just kind of switch it out. Instead of swinging by the office on the way in or on the way out to say hi or bye, you drop a line 
right? You send an IM yeah. message that says, hey, you know, how, how are things going? When you see them go green with a status indicator or something. So these are absolutely, you know, things that you can do in a remote situation. Cisco's culture is very, very much that. My team is distributed across well, three continents, right? Um, yeah. Europe, yeah. North America, and then the Asia subcontinent. And so a lot of opportunity, but it's on everyone to just take a little bit more time to do that outreach, whether it be the coffee chat, more of an organized, or just the check-in. Hey, how's it going? Hope you're keeping well, you know, and then taking your conversation from there. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think the current environment, uh, we need to, we need to take a little bit more effort for those social connections. And I'm hoping that the virtual working environment post COVID continues to utilize both the capability and those practices going forward. Yeah. I, I know, so it's funny, because I use the same term, telemedicine, telelearning, stuff like that. And I was on a call with a guy the other day and he said, you know, that's a throwback. The The whole term tele it has to do with uh, telephone oh, conferencing. That's right, yeah, ring, ring, yeah. Yeah, and, and in fact, he's like, and you know, virtual meeting, isn't it's not the right word anymore it's virtual working it's virtual working spaces whether it's virtual um, medicine spaces or virtual learning spaces where do you see that going yeah and i'm glad you actually called out because i fall into that right as well as saying telehealth right yeah, tele something you're right telecommuting that's another word that people often use but tele meant like the phone the, the rotary or the button yeah. push you know and so uh, it, i'm glad you mentioned that i do think that this is a new normal so I've been super fortunate, like I said, for the last two years to be working with a lot of hospitals, working with a lot of schools, in fact, some not too far from yourself, right, where they're viewing this as just a new and more efficient way of delivering fill in the blank, delivering care for patients, yep. delivering schooling for students when in person isn't an option. Right. As the rural communities grow, as the populations grow, you need to scale better, deliver good care at scale or or classes you know i was in australia uh, back in january and i had the fortune of sitting down with some of the um the leaders in the western australian school uh, districts and that's a real problem they said there's students where they could be four to seven hours away from the closest big classroom but they yeah. should have then they have the right right it is an essential human right to have access to education to better oneself that's where this technology needs to go and kind of going back to the Star Trek thing, I promise I won't reference it anymore after this. <laughs> Technology needs to get out of the way. Yeah. Right. I, I think that the thing that was so powerful about any of these sci-fi movies are there. It's just there. Technology enabled. It wasn't a thing you had to go. And how do I turn this on? Like, it, it always hurts me inside so badly to watch someone for the first time try to figure out how do I join this meeting? How do I do this? How do I do the fact they have to go? How do I versus just it's just there right yeah. i think that's what technology it needs to enable that scale and that reach but get out of the way it should just be yeah. a natural extension of how you and i might chat like i i think we've met once in person we've had how many conversations right yeah over these types I think, of technologies. yeah i think you and i have chatted online maybe a dozen times and you're right we that's won't right. but but we've chatted so many times online that uh, one time when you and I caught, uh, literally you were walking, I think you were walking through the hall and, hey, uh, finally got That's to right. meet you in person. Yeah, yeah. But we felt like we had a social connection because we had chatted so many times and talked about so much time online. That's and, right. I, and I think you're right. I think, and it's interesting, especially now you look at the landscape of, of various video conferencing tools and, and they really are, they're video conferencing tools. 
the Cisco WebEx service is something else that I want to talk about in a second. But for most of these things like Zoom and Google Hangouts and stuff, they're literally just video conferencing tools and they're not intuitive and they're not secure and they're not and they're not user friendly. I'm a member of a lodge and the lodge is doing Zoom calls every week. And some of the older members of the lodge, they struggle to figure out how to work a Zoom call. And and Zoom is supposed to be the lowest difficulty entry level to get into for for use. So yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it it just has to become and this is I'm gonna use the term, but it's been way overused. It needs to be ubiquitous. So yeah, video conferencing just needs to be, you walk into a room and you just say, hey, I want to talk to Jono and it just connects me to you and we have a, a video call and when we're done, I just walk out of the room and the video call ends on its own. I've got Alexas in my house and we use them like a home communication system. So right, I'll, the intercom I'll, between the devices, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. I got to be careful because she'll she'll call. But if I tell her to call the kitchen because my wife's in there, we do, we have a nice conversation, but then it takes like, it's like two or three times telling her to hang up before she hangs up. It's not, it's not just easy. It's not just natural. It doesn't just work. Actually, you know, you mentioned, I won't say the word because it may trigger, oh, you're on headphones. It's okay. I've learned that trick, right? <laughs> you, know, you have to be careful what words you use. But the, the fact that we refer to Alexa as another participant in our daily lives, that is how easy it should be. Right? Right. It should just be in the same way I might say, honey, can you do this for me? It should be, hey, Alexa, can you do this for me? Like that is a really good example of where it is now just an extension of my everyday, not an exercise to get it set up, turn it on, do this, configure that, yeah. tune that, right? And so, yeah. And, and I have to say, AWS did a good job. Uh, uh, the Alexa, 99% of it, Alexa is just, you plug it in and it just works. I mean, right, uh, right. But, but, the even the Wi-Fi setup. So I, I have other. I mean, I'm in technology. I'm like everybody knows I'm a propeller head. So I have all kinds of IoT devices around my house, and some of them require coding because I, I have uh, you know uh, Raspberry Pi stuff that I actually had to code put in place. But some of them were just out of the box plugs that I just wanted to control. Setting up the Wi-Fi and some of those plugs oh. took hours. Yes. Hold this button down for five seconds. Wait for the blue light to blink consistently. If it does, yeah, the, the number of steps to, for something so simple as outlet on, outlet off, the yeah. return's just not there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so let's let's talk a little bit about this landscape and, and specifically what you see a difference between a services platform, because you and I have talked about it before that you see WebEx as the service, not just the endpoints and not just the video call, the capability of the service. So the landscapes, you know, in my mind is overcrowded, which you would expect in these times. But what's that value out of those services? How does that, how does it change from being just a virtual meeting system to a virtual working system with the addition of the services and the capability within the platform? Yeah, and I actually, I love that you use the word work because that's actually the problem we all are trying to solve. You and I don't sit on video meetings all day long for fun. <laughs> There's a desired outcome. It is work. And so to your question, I think, and again, actually looking at the situation that you and I are in right now with, with COVID and the world, everyone's sheltered at home, it really drives home this point. Video meetings are for what I call the during. It is a high fidelity, you know, high bandwidth. And I don't mean the technology term. I mean, you and I focused on this conversation. 
it's also really expensive, not even from a dollar point of view, but how hard was it for you and I to find an hour to sit down and go through this, right? Like there's an expense to it. Yeah. And we can't rely on that as the only means to move work forward. Yeah. Right. The thing I, if this, if you were a customer, we were having this conversation, I would use terms like, well, you know, I want you to do as much as you can before the meeting and after the meeting, not just during the meeting, but that's not just a, a sales pitch or, or a, a line. It's the truth. If you and I can line up, imagine this, the topics that we were going to talk about in this podcast, then we can shorten the time that we actually need to spend. Granted, if you, if we want to, we should do the 60 minutes, but you can get more done. That's what the future of work needs to be. The fact that it's digital powered by a a tool or a computer shouldn't matter, right? It's moving things forward, achieving your outcome. Sometimes that outcome, I heard someone talking about this, their Zumba class is happening over technology now, right? So the work isn't always corporate work, knowledge work, work. but that's where the, the future, I think, of this industry is. Not niche point solutions that help you see each other while you chat, but yeah. After this, you need to send me something, Sean, or John needs to do this, the action items, the tasks, and then wrapping that, bringing that back to the, well, what was the outcome? That's the win for, for both of us, right? When we're working together, there is a desired outcome, or it could be purely social. It could be that we're just going to catch up, right? And see how one another is doing. And that's fine too. But I think it's that holistic moving work forward. And then going back to the Alexa example, or for example, for me, it's WebEx Assistant. Oh, I'm not going to say the wake word because I realize she's going to jump on here. (laughs) But then it's the, how do we take the simple tasks out of work is the next part. So efficiency, productivity, right? But it is about getting that, moving it forward, whatever that shape is. Doctors talking to patients, getting them ready for a procedure, you know, teachers teaching kids, giving them homework. the, The same kind of paradigm applies across all kinds of industries. Yeah, that's that's actually what I was I was going to dig into that because and I'm glad you brought it up. Is I I think you're right. I think, you know, it's funny. I was sitting in a client site and I showed them um, a phone based AI transcription service so that you could sit down in a meeting and it would just transcribe everything that got said in the meeting and it would identify the different people speaking in the meeting. And they're like, "Wow, we should really enable that." And I went, "You have a Cisco WebEx board, <laughs> right?" I mean, the, the reality is, is it's not just transcription service. It's transcription service and taking that step to action something. Yes. So yes. if the transcription service identifies that, you know, Sean needs to follow up with Jono about something, you know, next Monday, that should show up in my task list automatically as something that I need to go take care of. And I that's think right. Right. that's where, and by the way, I don't mind the Star Trek reference. Uh, we get to the, <laughs> end of the bonus question. You'll, you'll get a kick out of it. But that's when we get to the point where the technology just becomes an enabler and it's not something, I mean, if you're in Google Hangouts and you're collaborating on Google Docs, right? You're in a closed ecosystem of Google Docs on Google Hangouts, you can collaborate to build documents. And I mean, we were doing stuff like that with Microsoft 10, 15 years ago. You could, two people could get onto the same document on a SharePoint site and you guys could edit it. You could actually see them editing at the same time. But again, those are closed ecosystems and where what you miss is a lot of the action items. So you and I could be talking at the same time we're editing, unless one of you are captures what we're talking about, it doesn't make it into the document. The document right. is literally me typing, you typing, not us discussing what it is that we're typing to get the outcome. And I think right. that's the hurdle that transforms the virtual working into a true virtual working space. Yeah, and I, I like that 
you kind of referenced the, I call it the document collaboration paradigm, right? Where the document, by the way, a polished PowerPoint deck is absolutely a desired outcome, right? There sure. is times for, I mean, you and I, we've been at conferences, hundreds of conferences have, you know, thousands of PowerPoint decks as the outcome, but half the time it's a decision that needs to be made, right? Sean, are we going to move forward or not? Okay, John, what are the data points? Yeah. And so it's the conversation towards the decision that is the valued output of the interaction, yeah. the collaboration, in which case you do need any of the modalities that make sense. The example I always go here now is, does it have to be a video meeting or could this yes. be a call? Could it be I am? There's so many different ways to drive the outcome and I cheat. I do all of the above. I triple task most of my day. Right? And so the answer is yes, um, for sure. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think, and for me, so I bang on a lot on LinkedIn about, you know, disruption and, and innovation and changes. I think that one of the things is if you and I do a call and that decision point and how we get to that decision point, that has to become a repeatable process. Right. And if we have to recreate the wheel every time we get on a call together, because we're not automatically taking the action points out of stuff and we're not identifying how we do the decision making, it just makes these calls longer and longer. And I'm with you. I. I spend a lot of time on video calls. The, the people here in New Zealand, they love having me on calls because I tend to push us through to a decision point fairly rapidly because I'd like to end the call and continue on. And move to the next one. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it's that learnings from the decision-making process that we're not capturing yet. So right. we're not getting, you're right. We're generating the PowerPoint presentation of the document or we're making a decision, but how we got to that decision is is i think that's the next step and, and it sounds like that's what you think as well yeah and i think you i think we do see this because so i mean do you remember this this is probably wow might have been about five ten even twelve years ago the the term kanban board yes. blew up. everybody loves kanban boards scrum agile these methodologies for getting work done in a lot of ways is kind of what you're getting at as well how yeah. do we drive work forward? How do we think right of that? Uh, and I, I think that's exactly why these frameworks came up, these methodologies, so that you can do it consistently. The subject matter may be different week over week, but everybody knew how to move towards that desired end goal. And the differences were in the how, right? Like yeah. we'd follow this process or that process, but that agility actually segue to another topic I was gonna mention. That agility needs to translate to this world that we live in today, where great example, you and I don't work for the same company. We never yeah. have, and chances are we never will, right? Just we yeah. did every, we're other parts of the world, all these things, but it needs to be super simple for you and me to work together. Yes. Right. And so email did a great job of this because all I had to do was throw in your email address and boom, you know, wham, bam, and SMTP took care of it. You got it. You magically replied. And, and so there was yeah. a back and forth and we need that fluidity in the interactions that we, we do day to day to get towards those outcomes, it, yeah. especially with the economy we're in today, partnerships, collaborations across entities is so key, right? Yeah. But now it needs to be safe. You used that word yeah. earlier, security, yeah. safety. That's yeah. true, so true. Yeah, you're right. The ecosystems, I think in the last five years, I think even the large multinationals have realized that if they collaboratively work with other companies, they rise together, right. whereas, right. Competition, you get a little bit of rise with ecosystem collaboration, you go up. But I, I, I think you're right. If we look back, ease, I'm going to take a step even farther back than email, phone service. So phone service was, uh, you know, I dialed a phone number 
and I got to who I wanted to talk to, and within reason, I was fairly secure in that I was taught who I was talking to and how easy it was for as long as I knew your phone number to call you. And even before knowing your phone number, I could pick up the phone and say to the operator, hey, can you get John or Luke on the phone in, you know, Seattle, Washington or wherever? And, it, you know, she would just automatically connect me through. I think that the video conferencing systems haven't gotten there yet. You have to right. be within right. the ecosystem to be able to use them and, and call between them, or you have to have a guest invite into the ecosystem to be able to use them. And, and I think you're right. I think, I think what's happened is, and this is my mindset processing this through, I think companies have invested in endpoints. And those endpoints have driven the video conferencing system that they're using, and it shouldn't be that way. The, the endpoints should just be an endpoint that can work with any video conferencing system. But in an effort to try and get into these companies, they have tied the two together in such a way right. that it, it makes it difficult to interoperate between the different systems. So, yeah, and you used that word ubiquitous before, you know, in a, in yeah. a previous topic, but it applies here as well. It would not fly if a Telstra customer could not call a, British telecom customer, yeah. because yeah. I'm sorry, you're not working like that. That's it's your telephone analogy that that's not OK. And yet you have to have a guest. So you have to have a guest invite to British telecom before you can call. <laughs> that's right. This is literally the equivalent of one of them saying, oh, yeah, no, you can you can talk to my people, but you have to buy a SIM card from me to talk to my people. Right. You can yeah. draw those exact parallels and that would never be OK. And yeah. yet, to your point, I think because we're in that transformation phase right now towards a truly digital workforce, a true, you know, everybody connected. It's still kind of, I don't know that it's okay, but people are letting companies get away with it. Let me put it that yeah. way. Right. And that's just, that, that has to end. There, there yeah. needs to be this ubiquitous access to anyone. Like you said, as long as I have your coordinates and I use that term loosely, but really yeah. it's how do I get a hold of Sean? And that's yeah. how I get through. Speaking of endpoints, I wanted to bring this up, and I know I know uh, you're not a hardware endpoint guy, but the Cisco WebEx hardware has some really cool features in it. But yes, and I don't want to go into depth of the features because this is not a. I'm not trying to sell Cisco WebEx spark boards, but the AI chipsets and the functionality and capability from those AI chipsets. So I'm doing a lot of a lot of I'm doing some enterprise architecture work from an AI startup company, and they're working with NVIDIA and a couple other companies in the US about putting AI machine learning tasks on chips now. Is that I mean from a from a WebEx services feature enhancement, is that the direction you guys see going with the premium endpoints? So let's let's say the Spark boards are premium endpoints. Sure, sure that have a purpose there's a reason that we have a spark board there to do stuff and part of that reason is it has ai chipsets in that might be a webex assistant in the meeting right. room right well i mean and there's a whole plethora of capabilities that having an onboard chipset like we do give us right and so again and not, this is not a sales pitch but it is interesting for us to call out facial recognition the fact that it's jono lead to a lot of what we were talking about that super simple startup imagine yeah. a world where i walk into the room if i'm the if i'm the only person in there it knows that my next meeting was well you know meeting with sean and then i can say start the meeting and there's voice recognition like there's a ton of stuff thank goodness so yeah. i do think i do think that onboard chipsets are a very valuable not the only not the exclusive right but yeah. it enables a lot 
And the other reason why, yes, we could do a ton of compute in the cloud. And we know that's a really good way to do that. But one of the things that, and I, I do believe in this is, I do think that there's certain privacy concerns that legitimately yeah. may want those types of recognition things to happen on device. Yeah. Right. And I'm not going to get into the whole you know, gamut of things and why, but I don't, I do think that there are, you know, there are use cases um, out there where it makes sense to do that compute on the device versus in someone else's cloud. And so I respect those. I deal a lot, like I said, with healthcare and education, those yeah. regimes generally are more heavily uh, governed. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I see a lot of that where they want to keep it not on-prem in terms of their data center, but don't send my biometrics to the cloud. That's really yeah. what they're getting at when they say on prem, right? Get the outcome from it, but don't store that data someplace else to get that outcome. And, and I mean, that. so my background is network architecture and engineering. So the first thing I look at is, okay, what, kind, what amount of data are we having to transfer to the cloud? Yes. And if we're yep. having to transfer massive HD video to get facial recognition to run that on in the cloud as opposed to on the end device, it really is there for these use cases that endpoint you know compute at the edge ai function with the analytics from it the the smarts the learning from it fed back up to the cloud's fine but the yeah. actual yeah. use case purpose on the chipset makes a lot of sense really does make a lot of sense so so we've been talking around this whole idea of productivity and and you see virtual work going into more than because for me, most of it is IT, right? There's virtual medicine and there's virtual learning, and those are kind of extensions a little bit. But when we start talking about manufacturing and, and retail and you know courts, businesses, accounting, so when there's virtual work and then there's the virtual work where everybody has access to virtual work capability, and literally it could be, you know, a, I, I don't know if you saw this, but I think a university in, I think it was Hong Kong, did their commencement this week with all robots, yeah. telepresence oh, wow. robots. Very cool. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I could see us getting to the point that if it truly is ubiquitous, that, you know, the expert in a piece of manufacturing equipment might not have to visit a, a factory. A telepresence right. robot could visit the factory and tell the people there what they need to do to fix it. You know, I think... The reality is somewhere between these extremes. Yeah. I think there is there is definitely, maybe the best way to put it is, there is a time and place for technology, right? And so I don't advocate a world where 100% of the graduates, well, I mean, uh, New York University, uh, the, the medical school just did this using our stuff, right? It's a, out of need that we've yeah. driven a purely digital engagement. Yeah. Uh, this, there's a Cisco employee that got married over WebEx. You know, those are yeah. examples of need driven. But at the same time, I do think there's there is absolutely room for technology to make life better. You you refer to supply chain man or, or manufacturing, right? So I, yeah. I work a lot with our, our customer base that's in manufacturing and or oil and gas. This remote expert experience is critical. They can't afford to have 45 of this particular expert type, one per you yeah. know oil and gas platform or um, you can imagine car manufacturing. They can't have an engineer sitting at the end of every production line. Yeah. And so th that is a place where technology enables better scale. Healthcare is the one that's so near and dear to my heart. You cannot have, we, we don't have enough doctors as is. And we will yeah. certainly not, you know, in a year or two to meet all of who knows what the lingering effects of this situation will be. And so enabling remote expert, enabling 
there's the T word I was about to say, a telehealth, enabling digital <laughs> visitation and consultation. There we go. That's the new term. So that anybody anywhere can get access to a doctor. Like that's where technology belongs, right? The student getting help, someone that needs, you know, that may be having a mental health episode that wants to reach out. That's where and how tech can make a difference. Let's, uh, so let's talk a little bit about, I'll, I'll say it, telehealth or telehealth as well. Because little, little T, just do with little T, not capital T. Little T, that's right, not capital T. Because I, I mean, I, I've done healthcare outsourcing, IT outsourcing, and I've worked for a, a huge health insurance company down in Florida. So I have a little bit of experience working with these companies. Is telemedicine, for lack of a better term, is that the rebirth of home visits? I mean, are, are we going to, so if I want to go to my GP, do I book a video conference with him and he doesn't have to leave his office and, you know, the wait times go away. He comes to me when he's there, you know, it, it fixes so many of our problems that have to do with congregating around general practitioners and scheduling general practitioners. I mean, I definitely do think it's in large part kind of that, that home visit. And, and when I actually, when I speak with customers, you know, in the healthcare industry, there is a, the home visit meant that someone that was recovering from an operation, elderly, they didn't have to travel, right? Yeah. That means that it's easier, it's better access, and also it reduces risk. Anytime yeah. someone, you know, an elderly person who is not mobile has to move, you know, all the things that come with it. So yeah. from that point of view, it is the new home visit, right? It is an easier way for home visit. But the flip side, it's also better access and scale of those GPs. Right. Yeah. I can do 30 minute, 30 minute, 30 minute, 30 minute versus 30 minutes and then an hour travel time. I was speaking with some folks in New York and they're like, you know, a 15 block drive could take you 40 minutes. And yeah. so there, yeah. there's logistics behind the home visit as well that this actually makes better. You, you can't replace human touch. We are social animals, right? We want yeah. to engage. But th the fact that we can help so many more people and connect them with the resources they need you know, yeah. I think is, is so powerful. One of the use cases actually recently I've been working with a partner of ours and it didn't even cross my mind, but imagine this, what you and I are using right now to communicate a video meeting, put yep. that in the hands of someone that's just leaving correctional care. I, I can oh, get yeah. in touch with my supervisor when I feel like I'm, you know, I'm on the verge, I'm, I'm frustrated. I can reach out. Think yeah. about how something that we think of as a work tool, can vastly change the physics of how someone re-enters society. Right? Oh, yeah. The, well, the activity they have. The timing-wise, I, I mean, I can only imagine how much time they waste sitting, waiting in line to talk to, you know, their correction uh, officer. And, you know, they're trying to integrate back into society. They have to be places at certain times to get jobs, to, you know, to do things. And so then they've got to take this massive time out of their day to go sit in line and yeah, I, I can absolutely see that 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 providing a massive amount of time give back to those right. people trying to do that. And the immediacy of access to that help versus me having to figure out how am I going to get across the city, right? To your point about sitting in the room, I have to get to the room before I sit in the room to go see, yeah. you know, my, my supervisor. And so just the opportunity afforded to those folks because of this technology, like that's what tech should be doing, right? Is yeah. making that better. Everyone's intentions are good. Let's support them in their journey back to where they need to be. So uh, you haven't spent much time in Wellington, just that one trip, right? That's right. Okay. So I, I do a lot of consulting at a bunch of different government agencies in Wellington, and they like to book back-to-back -back meetings. 
across town and yep. whether I can get an Uber because I'm not parked in town because it's too expensive or walk between them. But what I've noticed is since now we're doing everything virtual now with the lockdown, literally I have back to back to back to back meetings now. Whereas before I was having to book 15 to 20 minutes in between to get to the building where I could have the meeting yes, in. Travel time. So that's think, right. Yeah. I think, it, I think it has been, it has impacted a lot of it's enabled a lot of additional work. The downside being is that I find myself at 10, 11 o'clock at night, still on my computer doing stuff right now. But I think that has more to do with our lockdown than it has to do with video. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what are you doing out, outside of your work stuff? What what podcasts are you listening to? Books you're reading? Blog. I, I mean, you and I have chatted a couple times basically about work and, and stuff, but we've never really touched base on other stuff beyond that. So actually, you know, uh, this is this is going to sound a little bit weird, but I try to disconnect as much as possible. I, I use the word try with a capital T because we all know how work goes. Um, but where and when possible, I try to disconnect, mainly just because it helps to bring balance. Yeah. In terms of books that I like to read, I mean, I, I in the mornings, I catch up on TechCrunch, you know, and I, I do all the usual kind of get my day started to catch up on my team's messages and email. But in the evenings, I, I am a self-admitted couch potato. I don't know if that term actually applies anymore, but I watch no. a lot of TV. <laughs> have, have you seen that Disney Plus has is almost hit their subscription targets for 2024? I I'm sure like net, between Netflix and my the joke I made a while back was like net if you if you inspected packets I'm pretty sure between Amazon Video Netflix Disney Plus and Apple like the internet is about 95% streaming right now um, yeah. and the other joke I make is I know because I can see the call volumes on the aggregate service and that is not eight hours a day of every employee <laughs> that has yeah. a license right and so yeah I know I, I try to disconnect where am I possible it brings balance. That's the first yeah. thing. And it goes back to that comment I made earlier, where I believe technology should just be part of life. And so yeah. the more I can appreciate life, like in the summers, I love to go camping. In the winters, I love to ski. You know, those are things that I like to do. And then it helps bring balance. And I also like watching the news because you the news is a really interesting way to watch how people use technology. My, my classic example of where tech has failed is when the news reporter stands in front of some crazy hundred foot screen that clearly is touch enabled and all kinds of things and they're clicking a powerpoint presentation yeah right the intent yeah. of it is an immersive experience to drive better understanding by their their audience and they're clicking through slides and failing at that right and so yeah. it just it's a reminder of where and how things fit in or should fit in rather yeah should be have you have you watched picard yet yes i got through that that was fantastic <laughs> yeah i, I thought it was good. Uh, yeah Thoroughly enjoyed that. And actually, this is an example I often use. If For those folks that are listening that watched Picard, there is a, a, a haptic 3D holographic interaction. That's how they drive the ship. That's how it should be. It's yeah. an extension of my fingertips in a, in a three-dimensional way, right? They're yeah. pulling forward, turning left, turning right. That conceptual model applied to tech in all manner of life. Yeah. It, yeah, that's, that's the goal. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I, I know how busy you are and, and what what, Happy to do what it. time is it there right now? It is 5.49 p.m. Yeah, so you, this is the evening for you anyway. So I, I really do appreciate it. I do have, I have a bonus question. It's just a fun okay. question. Uh, a couple people haven't answered it, but most had fun with it. So I don't know if you remember this, but under the Obama administration, there was, he created this website where the citizens could, could propose ideas in the government if, 
if enough people voted for it, the government would go take a look at it. Oh, yeah, that, that petition site, right? It wasn't 100,000 yeah. signatures or more, yeah. Yeah. So someone proposed that the U.S. government should build the Death Star, and it, and it got enough votes that the Obama administration actually went out and, and looked at what it would take to actually build a Death Star. Did they seriously? They, yes. They essentially came back and said that it would – Resource-wise and money-wise, it was there was just no way the U.S. government would ever be able to build the Death Star. But my question for you is, would you have voted for them to build the Death Star? So I need to ask, is this the first Death Star or the one from Return of the Jedi? Because we're not talking about Planet Killer. We're talking about the old school, like yes. Mark Hamill. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, I would have. And here's the reason why. I mean, tons of people have differing opinions on things like nuclear energy, nuclear yeah. bombs, space project, but the technology that falls out from those efforts are what drove everything forward. And That's so right. from that point of view, I, no, I don't want the giant green laser that shot and blew up a planet. That, that is not the intent. But imagine the stuff that would fall out along the way. Oh, right? yeah. Um, well, I was thinking even if they could get a quarter of the way there, they could hang it at like L5 halfway between the, the moon and the earth in geostationary yeah. orbit. And it becomes a platform to go to the moon. Right. And it becomes yeah, a platform absolutely. that be, goes to Mars. And, and it, because of where it sits gravitational wise, it becomes easy to move things in and out. So yeah, I, I actually didn't vote for it, but I would have voted for it. if, <laughs> if <I had> been... <laughs> John, I, it, it's always a pleasure talking to you and the times that we've been able to work together on stuff has been absolutely a pleasure. I enjoy uh, our conversations and I learn, I, I don't know how to explain to you how much I learn from you every time I talk with you. Yeah. And, and I regret that you and I will never work for the same company. I think you would be an exceptional <laughs> leader to work for. So it, it, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. No, thank you for having me, Sean. Take care. You have a good one, sir. You too. Well, that was a really great interview with Jono. It's taken me a little bit longer to edit this and get it published than I had originally planned, but it's such a great interview that the fact that I get to share it with you, I think is is brilliant. As always, keep the feedback coming. Uh, I really appreciate all of those uh, friends and family and, and extended friends and family that listen to this and, and give me feedback. And as always, please reach out to me if, if you have any questions or anything else that you want to ask. I'm looking for new interviewees, so I'd love to hear some suggestions. I, I have a laundry list of people that I'd like to interview. Some of them are going to be more difficult because they're, to be honest, more famous and, and more busy. Um, and I'm also going to be an interviewee on a couple podcasts in the near future. So if you know of anybody, any podcasts that you'd like me to follow or get in touch with, please let me know. And if there's somebody specific that you'd like me to interview, let me know. I really do appreciate it. Thank you all.